everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dark Rhino's Security Confidential. Today we are honored to have Nick York join us. Nick York is a lawyer, entrepreneur, and strategic business advisor for businesses ranging from startups to Fortune 500 companies, universities, and national nonprofit organizations. In addition to a successful legal career, Nick has been an owner, investor, and director of several companies, including his holding company, Kaiser Enterprises, LLC and as co-founder of Transom Group, a technology and industrial automation consultancy doing business in the U.S. and Latin America. Nick's 25-plus year career has been centered around business, technology, and public policy, which led him to his current role as co-founder and president of the Ohio IT Association, Ohio's premier statewide trade association serving the interests of tech and tech-enabled companies and leaders throughout the state. Thank you for joining us, Nick. Yeah, Manoj, Appreciate you for being having me. here. Yeah, we look forward to this conversation because as a small business in Ohio, that's how we got introduced to you and we're fortunate enough to be a part of OITA. Um, I think the work that's being done needs to be, the story needs to be told and it might be helpful to a lot of other businesses. Uh, yeah, no, Ohio I appreciate Valley. that. So so the, the Ohio IT Association is a uh, an independent nonprofit uh, nonpartisan statewide organization uh, that's really focused on Ohio's technology-driven companies uh, and, and industry professionals uh, and, and operating at what I call the intersection of business technology and public policy. Uh, we, we, we focus on kind of five key objectives. Uh, that's industry promotion, uh, getting out there and talking about what great things are happening. Advocacy, which is, uh, you know, government relations and, and advocating for certain public policies to help tech and tech-enabled companies advance, business-to-business uh, -business engagement, getting uh, companies together and connecting them uh, in a networking type of thing, professional development, uh, which, you know, just, again, whether it's a group of CIOs or a group of CTOs, a group of software developers, whatever it might be, connecting them and trying to create platforms for them to connect, not just in their particular region or their city, but around the state. And then finally, you know, a critically important one is, is the uh, the ubiquitous talent attraction and development and why we don't try to reinvent the wheel with a lot of other great uh, tech associations or, or workforce development groups. We do try to highlight uh, what Ohio is doing from a, from a talent standpoint, uh, ultimately to make it a, a stronger, stronger ecosystem uh, and attract more, more people and retain more people here. Uh, so that we can help uh, advance the state as we go forward. We're, we're headquartered out of Dublin, Ohio, but uh, Columbus and Dublin have become quite a, uh, the Columbus region, I should say, has become quite a mecca for startup companies. Yeah, but... There's been a lot of them that have come up. We had uh, Nick Potts on the show, uh, who is the CEO of Gift mm -hmm. Help, you know, and um, he's been able to attract a lot of uh, attention uh, both from his past ventures and his current, and we're seeing other companies like UpDocs just got acquired, uh, another startup operation, Bold Penguin got acquired. So it seems to uh, somehow, uh, when you think of Ohio, you don't think uh, technology startups. But do you? Yeah, you seen I, I've, that? I've seen that. I mean, Columbus is obviously a terrific example. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but I see it, you know, throughout the state. One of the one of the I guess pleasures of what I get to do is I get to travel around the state a little bit and, and see these opportunities, you know, burgeoning up, uh, whether it's whether it's in the, the three C's, Cleveland, Columbus or Cincinnati, 
or really in, in northwest Ohio in the Toledo area or some of the even more rural areas or down in southeast Ohio and Athens and Ohio University and, you know, things that are coming out of, of those things. So, you know, it, it's it's really rewarding uh, to, to, to get to see those type of uh, young companies that are starting out, uh, young entrepreneurs. I'm, 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 an, I'm an old entrepreneur now, but, uh, but, uh, but young at heart. Uh, and to see that, and that's, again, a role that we're trying to play as, as OITA is how can we help foster that, right? And, and whether that's, you know, connecting people, whether that's uh, providing you know, introductions for access to capital, uh, whether it's just helping, you know, good mentoring and, and trying to keep people from, you know, making the mistakes that many of us maybe have made at, at, along our way to help them get to, you know, to get to success a little bit quicker. Uh, it, it's, it's an exciting uh, for Ohio, uh, and it's uh, an honor for me to get to travel around the state and, and do more of that. Now, Nick, recently uh, you had an event online uh, with the state of Ohio where you had the CIO from the state uh, join and discuss. Were there any insights uh, regarding technology in Ohio uh, and with the state that came out of that? Sure. That well, I, well here's what I would say. I, I think the, uh, the uh, DeWine Husted administration, Governor DeWine and Lieutenant Governor Husted and their team uh, on, on the technology side or the state CIO, Irvin Rogers, who you mentioned, they've done a really good job, I think, of trying to identify, um, you know, technology needs, looking at advancements, uh, setting up organizations within the state government or, or sort of the public-private sector partnerships to really better understand what the state needs in terms of technology and how the state can play a role, not only in advancing technology needs with state agencies, but also helping the private sector. So for instance, you've got Innovate Ohio, uh, which is led by the Lieutenant Governor. Uh, they're doing you know, things from, uh, from a user experience standpoint with state government agencies, but also looking at, you know, they've got their, their Cyber Ohio initiative, looking at how do you help both public and private sector entities better deal with, with cybersecurity threats. Uh, you've got things around broadband access and the infrastructure that's gonna be needed, you know, as we continue to grow and trying to address the digital divide issues that, that are, you know, everywhere in the country. Uh, and we, and uh, you know, Ohio, Ohio the same, both rural and urban areas. So I, I, I would give credit to, uh, the state uh, in terms of thinking about, uh, you know, what the challenges are and how the state can play a role. Obviously, there's a lot to do, uh, but it's good to have leadership that recognizes the value of, of technology and the need to, uh, to invest in that and invest in the companies and, and the, and the uh, uh, public policies that are needed to, to be successful. Uh, you mentioned Innovate Ohio. Uh, is Innovate Ohio, uh, a program which is more about guidance, or are, is it also make funding and gives and make some policy changes that enable uh, a much healthier technology? Yeah, environment I, so it, so it started off. I, I believe that the, the impetus was was how are we going to make technology more effective for the state agencies? And and if you think about it, obviously there are. Um, you know, we interact with, with the state more than, more than most people might think. If you think about the Bureau of Motor Vehicles, if you think about, uh, you know, unemployment, if you think about uh, job and family services uh, for, for, you know, um, other folks in, in, in disadvantaged areas, maybe it's Medicaid. So there's a lot of things that the state touches on that, that were involved in technology is, is playing a role. So the first thing that Innovate Ohio really set out to do was how do we 
provide a better uh, user experience within state government, you know, to provide those services to its citizens um, so that there's, you know, it's more efficient, it's more effective. You're ultimately providing those services in a, in a more, you know, advanced way. Uh, one of the things that, that they've continued to do, though, in addition to that, is really think outside of just state government and how can, how can the government play a role in helping to advance uh, private sector advances in, in use of technology. So, you know, the, the Innovate Ohio board, uh, the advisory board, is made up of folks uh, from the private sector, from the public sector, uh, you know, everything from big and small companies to, to universities, et cetera, and really has a, has a, a mission, I think, long-term of really trying to set Ohio apart from an innovation standpoint and how do you, what we do at OITA is try to, you know, foster a business environment or an environment overall for more technology use and adoption. I think Ohio is really uh, leading the way with Innovate Ohio and some of the initiatives coming out of that program. Is there a particular agency in the state that you think might be ahead of the curve, if you will, in terms of adoption and dissemination of technology to the citizens? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I, I wouldn't single one out. I think that obviously with COVID, right, one of the things that we saw with COVID over the, this past year uh, is from a public health standpoint and sort of the immediacy that was required uh, and, and the ability for, for Irvin Rogers as the state CIO to kind of marshal the forces that were necessary to have a co coordinated effort uh, to, to figure out how are we gonna respond to this? Because obviously there was a health issue at first, but then there was just the goods and services that needed to be provided in a, in a you know, new kind of remote or online way uh, that, that we didn't have to do in the past. And I, so I, I, I would give um, you know, them a lot of credit for thinking holistically about this and trying to integrate uh, you know, the various agencies into it. So obviously from the public health standpoint, whether it was the contact tracing initiatives or some of those things, it was really leading the way over this past year. But I think what that did is it opened the eyes uh, and, and opened what, what I'd call the opportunities uh, and something where people think of that as a challenge or, or a problem. And, and I think of it as an opportunity to really improve. And, and I, I would give, uh, you know, credit to the, to the state of, you know, forward thinking and, and, and really, you know, jumping in with, with both feet, so to speak, in terms of how we're going to solve these problems. Now, outside of healthcare, that's a great example. Um, you know, a couple episodes back, we had Shanoa Moss on the show, and, and Shanoa is in the uh, healthcare IT business, and she actually mentioned that COVID uh, has led to a tremendous amount of innovation on the part of some very large healthcare organizations in the state of Ohio, which was surprising to me because uh, you don't think large <laughs> and innovation right. don't go together. I mean, that's kind of an oxymoron. But um, uh, she mentioned that, and from what you're describing, it looks like uh, the state of Ohio team here also put a great deal of focus on that and marshalling resources, and that may have been a catalyst yeah, for that. Yeah, for sure. Again, I, it, nobody would uh, to wish upon anyone that the uh, – you know, the effects of COVID or, or having to go through what we've had to go through. But I do think the, you know, if, if you want to call it the silver lining of it was really to, to open the eyes uh, to, to all of us in terms of, you know, where some of the deficiencies we might have and where opportunities exist to really, and the impetus really to, to advance that technology. A lot of times, especially at a, at a state government level, you know, everyone knows that, that government uh, moves a little bit slower than business, and that's, that's by design, and that, that's intentional, and that, that's not a bad thing in, in many instances. But in, in situations like with COVID, where you had to have kind of a rapid response, and, and there were a lot of different moving parts, 
um, you know, I, I think what it did is it helped advance uh, the, the use of technology uh, in the state and will set a platform or, uh, uh, you know, a, a foundation uh, for moving forward and hopefully to continue to advance that technology adoption. Now, Nick, uh, switching gears here a little bit to OITA itself, what's the origins of the organization? What drove you to, uh, from <laughs> attorney to entrepreneur and industrial systems to start creating a, an IT yeah, association? Well, th th that's a state? good question, and, it, and it's a long story, but I'll try to, try to make it short. I think what we realized a couple years ago, uh, and, and I had operated you know, at what I call the, the intersection of you know, business technology and public policy, for most of my career, right? Um, uh, it, whether it was my legal practice or, or doing some government related work in, in that practice and then and obviously having a couple of technology businesses now. Um, and, and there were a number of people, uh, many of whom were in Columbus uh, and, and they were from you know, large organizations uh, and realized that, you know, looked around the room during a couple of different incidences where there was a need for, a, for an association uh, and you look you know, you look in Columbus and there's a, an association for just about everything, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, people know that the manufacturers and the retailers and the doctors and the lawyers, but there's also, you know, there's a, there's a group for the bakers and, the, and the, the candlestick makers and, you know, the whole thing. But, but unbelievably, okay. there was not uh, one for the tech industry. There are a lot of great regional tech associations around the state, but there was not two years ago when we really put this into practice in earnest. And statewide association. So that 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 origin really was, uh, and as we've developed, really a member-led uh, effort. Right? There were a number of uh, ultimately now members of the OITA who were looking for that representation, that that a, a trade association, for lack of a better term, who could come in and help with a number of these uh, initiatives and public policy uh, focus areas that that they needed help with and. Uh, and, and we were able to do that. We marshaled a lot of good people from the business community, big and small companies, as I mentioned, and we've got a terrific advisory board, which, which you serve on and know. Um, but then it expanded that and, and we're beyond just the, just the, the businesses to uh, universities, uh, community colleges, uh, economic development groups from around the state, uh, other tech associations. Uh, the thing we did not want to do is, you know, reinvent the wheel or, or step on the toes of all the good things that people were already doing, but really find a way that we could help be a platform and, and, and convene and connect and collaborate as I, as I use all the time uh, from a statewide perspective. So the origins were humble origins, uh, really born out, of, uh, born out of need and necessity uh, and driven by the members. And that's how we continue to be driven today by our members. Well, I hope one area that the members are pushing in, and I'll just speak for Dark Rhino uh, Security, <laughs> <laughs> is in procurement. Uh, I mean, we've, we've, uh, what's the best way to put this? We've banged our head against a wall is probably the best description in trying to do business with the state. It, it seems like an arduous task, and quite honestly, it seems like the deck is stacked against us. It, you know, every uh, RFP that comes out, it seems like it's preordained <laughs> to go to somebody, right? Um, and it's not us, I can tell you that. So it, it would be good if there's such a great push like you're uh, describing at the state level and the leadership uh, of Governor Devine is uh, recognizing that to give small businesses a chance, which is where the engines of innovation and uh, 
it would be nice to be able to to showcase that in the state environment. Sure. Yeah. Well, so. well and, and taking that out of the, the dark rhino in particular, because uh, I know you guys have uh, a lot to offer and, 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 and could be a good partner. Uh, there's no doubt. But but taking a step back and looking at it from a from a procurement process. Uh, it's one of the things that as an organization we're focused on. We have a, a procurement committee, uh, which has been tasked with the with the uh, role of, of coming up with recommendations that we can share with, with state leaders and, and help them to uh, you know, better understand, especially from a technology side. Manoj, I think pro- part of the issue is that you know, um, government is different than, than the private sector and intentionally so. And, and what you wanna do is you wanna have certain protections for, for transparency and, and, uh, and all those kind of things in, in a public contract. So that, that, that has its, its complexities and challenges for sure. The other thing, the other thing from sure. a procurement standpoint, from the state, and, and you know, technology is advancing so quickly, right? I mean, if you look at sort of the the astro teller graph, and you know, and, and how quickly that we're we're advancing, you know, uh, as a society, and and you know, government policies and programs really have been designed, you know, on a on a kind of one size fits all in many instances. In other words, you're you're, you're going through a procurement process the same as you used to buy pencils and paper or engineering consulting services, but you're applying it to technology. And one of the things as an organization that we've tried to push is, you know, sometimes you have to think a little bit differently that that one size does not fit all. And that, you know, that, that you have to get the, the state to operate at the speed of business, right? And, and I, I think that, you know, with COVID and, and other things that have happened recently, that, that's, you know, never been more clear. And so one of the things that we look at from a procurement process is really trying to help you know the state think about ways that it can improve that process uh, and be more responsive to you know uh, companies large and small uh, and to try to find ways to that you can be more adaptive and adoptive of new innovative approaches to to providing technology and and I, I would say that you know um, again working closely with with the the leadership at the state level at both the executive branch as well as within the legislature. Um, you know, we have some receptive ears, uh, and it's just a matter of, of putting some of that, that hard work in that goes into, you know, uh, explaining where the challenges are and where the opportunities might be. So, um. See, that alone might be worth the price of admission to OITA. I think uh, everyone who's listening to this broadcast, uh, if you're in the state of Ohio, and there are items like procurement, which is near and dear to us, but I'm sure you you have your own. Um, OITA would be a great mechanism um, to get a much broader voice at the state level than as an individual business and actually get some material. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's one of our main value propositions, right? I mean, again, we're not going in as an organization advocating for any one company. Uh, at, at that, that wouldn't be the, the right way to do it. But what we are advocating for is we're advocating for streamlining processes and opening up the door and 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 being open to the potential for you know our members uh, and, and other technology companies to have uh, more of a chance to you know to tell their story and, and to get their opportunities and and it's no doubt we're 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 good at that uh, we have good strong relationships we've built that over many years not just me but but many people who are on our team uh, and. And we're, we, we've become, in many ways, a trusted advisor. And we, we guard that trust jealously, right? We don't come in and just sort of willy-nilly, you know, make demands and, 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 and challenge approaches. We try to have an ongoing dialogue. 
And what that does is it gives us an opportunity to be a stronger voice, ultimately on behalf of our members. But if you are you know, a company that's out there that's looking to engage with the state, uh, looking to better understand the procurement process, uh, we can certainly help with that. We'd encourage you to, to join and become part of what we're doing and, and, and add your voice to, to that discussion. So, you know, Nick, you mentioned that, you know, states, the way they're procuring or the way they're operating or operating to move them to operating at the speed of business is is certainly um, a challenge and it's a goal. But if we switch to cybersecurity, it's even moving faster than that. So if, if we look at uh, what's happening at the in the private sector, at the government level, at the federal government level, and then at the state level, is there any kind of priority within the state of Ohio, you think, on looking at cybersecurity and how would they, what areas could they address? It, because that's changing on a second right. by second basis, yeah. right? Well, there, there's no doubt. I mean, and you and I have talked about it before, whether it's the the, the Russia hack or solar winds and, and, and really trying to, you know, understand what, what the what the bad guys are doing out there, right? In terms of trying to, to focus on where's the weakest link uh, and, and, and attack those weakest links in a supply chain. And obviously the state does business with a lot of companies, you know, from around the state and, and the world, literally. Um, and so I think one of the things that, that um, you know, that, that has happened again, as a result of, you know, whether it was more recently with, with as I mentioned, sort of the solar wind stuff and, and raising awareness, or last year, it was a lot. There were a lot of you know, uh, small or mid-sized you know municipalities or, or townships, et cetera, who were getting hit with ransomware and, and things like that. And that really brought it to the forefront. And and I do think there's some some leadership at the state level which is recognizing that. As I mentioned, Innovate Ohio and their Cyber Ohio initiative really is to try to work not just for state government but also with companies, and and put some some public you know, policy around some of that, some recommendations, some how-to or some best practices. And again, a great way to engage if, if, you're, in that, if you're in that sector um, you know, is to, to get involved with what we're doing and, and, and use, the, use our uh, you know, megaphone, so to speak, to, to, to better tell that story. Because while I think there's attention and there's importance placed on it, uh, that is not a substitute for action and, and the comprehensive nature of what we need. And, and right. those are the things that you guys are on the front line of and really finding those ways to, to put words into action, to put insights into implementation, as, as we say at Transom, is, is really where I think we are in the process. And I think that, you know, if we're not careful, we're going to have, you know, some, some major issues. Uh, and ultimately, there's no, there's no government that wants to have to, you know, respond to, to a, an attack where, where data has been breached or, or you know, privacy has been uh, impeded. You know, data breaches and privacy are absolutely threatened and they're of importance, but I think there's something in, of even much more greater importance and that's protecting the infrastructure mm -hmm. of the state, right? So, you know, Ted Koppel wrote a book called Lights Out several years ago and he talks about uh, how the the national grid is uh, the power grid is very vulnerable and he's absolutely right I mean, and if you get a chance to read yeah. it it's an easy read uh, it's a lighthearted read but um, he, he makes some very good points and I think at the state level 
We know at the federal level this is uh, with all the partisanship going on. I don't know if we're going to see a movement uh, in that arena. But it would be nice to see states start looking at their infrastructures and looking at how do we protect that uh, from, from a cyber perspective because they could probably yeah. do much more locally than what a federal initiative, uh, if it ever comes about, would be able yeah, to Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And, and, I, and I'm certainly not the, 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 the cybersecurity expert that, that you are, or many of your listeners may be, but, but I can certainly see what is the, the tsunami of, of potential uh, damage, right, that, that, that's coming. I feel like we're out in front of a wave right now. That wave is building. Uh, you see it from a, you know, you see it both from a, what you'd call the sort of the, the business espionage f factor or the, or the governmental, you know, government to government, or just the, the people who just want to wreak a little havoc, right? And, and that, that wave is building behind us and, and we're out front of it to some extent, but with more, you know, I, I, we've talked a little bit about transom and sort of the industrial automation and we do a lot of, you know, internet of things and, uh, and things like that. And just, you know, all those different touch points, which, which now have vulnerability. And so if you think about it from the state perspective, there are a lot of different touch points that, that people you know, interact with the state and, and whether that's infrastructure or their network, et cetera. Um, I think the challenge for, for any state is you know, th there's, there's budgetary issues, there's constraints. Clearly COVID has an impact on budget and how are we gonna do that? And, and, and maybe thinking about what are the creative solutions uh, to, to solving some of those problems. So again, you know, whether, it, whether it's you guys at, at Dark Rhino or or you know your broader audience or, or others out there, you know I, I would encourage you to get involved with what we're doing so we can start to address some of these things and bring these creative solutions uh, because a lot of times you know you don't want, you don't know what you don't know and that's true whether you're the, the governor or lieutenant governor or the state CIO and and you know they've been very open and, and uh, receptive to to our our message and are willing to 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 be involved so um, there's a lot more to do uh, there's no doubt. Uh, and we need bright minds and, and, and a lot of, you know, rolling up our sleeves and getting to work on it. And, you know, Transom works in the uh, industrial control systems. Have you seen a um, focus in with ICSs on cybersecurity? Um, yes. And, 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 and again, I, I'm the, uh, the, the, the entrepreneur, right? Uh, and, and, and in terms of the technical stuff, we've got a, a great team that we're working with. But a lot of the folks that we work with are large, you know, manufacturing operations, right? Um, uh, the, the large car manufacturers or, or large industrial products manufacturers. And as we're, you know, continuing to sort of advance their their smart manufacturing uh, capabilities, uh, the you know, the threats and and the uh, the potential for for havoc, I guess, continue to grow. And and there has been a you know continued uh, importance around that. Um, and, and much of what we do, we ultimately end up partnering a lot of times with, you know, more advanced cybersecurity firms uh, to be kind of co-partners in, in some of our initiatives because we've got a good team, but, but we don't have the, the depth that, uh, that many of uh, folks like yourself would have in terms of that. Um, so w w we, we do uh, see that. It's, uh, it's definitely a, um, a point of interest and a, and a point of concern. And, and it is certainly from us because as the as the consultants who are coming in helping to implement some of these changes, the last thing we want to do is be looked at and say, why didn't you think of that for us? Why didn't you talk to us about that? Why didn't you bring the right team behind you to, to raise this? So we feel an obligation to raise it, even if it's not being raised uh, by our customers or clients. 
You know, there is a uh, bit of a hot potato complex in cybersecurity when it comes to whether it's ICSs or at the state level or the federal government level where everyone has been like, you know, yeah, we know this is a problem and let's toss it <laughs> to the next guy. The problem with that, I mean, there's real world implications. I, I don't know if you remember uh, the Trisis uh, attack that happened at Saudi Aramco. It shut down that refinery and that was a uh, direct... Uh, modification of their safety control system in the refinery uh, now thankfully the guys who did it didn't know much about how the refinery operates so they shut it down which had an impact on global oil prices but they didn't cause anybody to get hurt if you will no one was hurt in the process you look at the the russian uh and ukrainian issue uh the russian cyber hacked the ukrainian grid and they were able to shut power off in the country right and uh, so there's some we we don't want to be in the united states in that situation where you know the the greedy guys who do ransomware they're worst case you're going to pay them off and uh that's just greed but uh you know, people who are looking to do genuine harm to a population, that's a very different defense mindset. And getting uh, folks out of that hot potato mentality, you know, well, hang on to that hot potato, man, and someone's got to address well, it. Well, and I, th I think that's where you need, you know, a coordinated effort. And it's not, it, you can't just put that on, on the state because some of the things you're talking about, whether it's, you know, the, the, the infrastructure, you know, the grid, uh, the, the electric grid or things like that, that there's there's a state aspect to that. There's a federal aspect of it. There's a company aspect to that, um, which you well know. Uh, and I think I think the, you know, the coordinated effort from what you consider sort of the, you know, cybersecurity side, the law enforcement side, you know, all of those things are something that uh, from a greater public policy standpoint, I think are, are important to the state from a protection standpoint. I think it, you know, it, it, it's a it's definitely a we all we can't be throwing the hot potato around no doubt we have to somebody has to stop we all have to sit in our musical chairs and everybody has to have a chair and a seat at that table and we've got to right. you know we got to try to solve that uh, easier said than done and you know unfortunately a lot of times you know um, it, it takes a crisis to, to create uh, to create enough you know awareness or, or enough uh, you know impetus to get it done uh, but again, I hate to keep going back to COVID, but, you know, COVID and, and just the fact that so much is being done, you know, online and so much is being done differently that, that you need protections for, even if it's just from a data privacy protection, that is where the state's involved. If you think about healthcare and some of the records and, and all the information that you provide, you know, whether it's your taxes or, or your health information, you know, to state agencies, you know, that, that needs to be protected. So. Uh, I, I think that the infrastructure issue is a is a critical one. It's a it's a bigger one than any one state can can address, um, and and then some of the other stuff, uh, you know, at, at at a at a, I guess a, a closer to, to a more granular level to individuals is is equally important, uh, at least from a state perspective. So, Nick, um, let me ask you this: just switching gears again a little bit for twenty twenty one, where do you uh, see the OITA policy initiatives going. Is is there some hot areas that you? Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I mean, as I said, maybe at the beginning, 
you know, OITA is a relatively young organization, right? We were essentially got started a couple years ago. Uh, we kind of had a first uh, big launch in November of 2019 uh, in terms of an event. And then we, we got into, you know, 2020 and, and had a number of things planned. And then, you know, and, and COVID you know, threw a wrench in, into all of our lives. Uh, so as an organization, which is really built around bringing people together, we had to adjust like, like everyone did. And we did that around uh, several, several policy areas um, and, and, and our virtual event series, which we did. And we're going to continue to do that. Um, but, you know, th things like, um, you know, broadband infrastructure, that, that's critical. Um, uh, things around, because that addresses, you know, there's a whole digital divide component to that. There's a, you know, whole sort of haves and haves not around those issues as well. Is, is that so? Can I, if I could just pause you for a second on that. Is, is there really that big a divide? I mean, you think now I, you can walk down the street in uh, Columbus and you, you're going to pick up public Wi-Fi from somewhere. If you're to... walking downtown in Columbus, you're probably okay. If you're in certain suburban areas, you might be in a spot that just doesn't have it. Representative Carfagna, who has been part of one of our, our virtual events series, he talks about, you know, he lives in a nice neighborhood in a, in a suburb of, of, of the Columbus area, and there are spots in his neighborhood where certain houses, you know, don't have the same level of connectivity that other houses down the street do. And then if you're talking about some of the rural areas or the urban areas, you definitely have pockets and, and large pockets where there just really is not the, 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 the bandwidth and, and the co connectivity. And so why that's so important, besides just the fact that, you know, hey, we want to have faster Internet speed so we can, you know, download and stream Netflix. Right. If that's not it, what we're talking about is, you know, as we look to do more teleeducation, more telehealth, uh, more, you know, online uh, and remote working. If we don't have those, if we don't have that infrastructure in place that eliminates, you know, millions, literally millions of people in, in the state of Ohio from from the, the the ability to effectively compete or take advantage or reduce the cost uh, that are associated with with those uh, with that technology and so while while if you if you live in the in the big three you know the the three C's Cleveland Columbus and, and Cincinnati and you're downtown where there's a lot of business you know operations and things like that sure you're fine right uh, if you live in the in the suburbs of, of many communities where I live you know sure I'm fine. Uh, there's not that same level of, of access uh, in many in many urban areas and many rural areas throughout the state, and that's a and that's an issue that we need to address. I yeah. learned something new today. <laughs> yeah, and and, and, and in terms yeah, of yeah. other issues, I mean, we've got you know everything from uh, you know uh, we've got events that we're talking about from a from a five G standpoint and what that means. Uh, we're talking about uh, areas around education and workforce development in our, in our tech talent sector. Uh, we've got um, you know, uh, things around cybersecurity. Uh, we've, we've talked about that a, a fair amount today, uh, but we've got initiatives there where we're working with the, both the executive branch and the legislative branch on, on issues with respect to that. Um, so I, I think that you know, going forward, we're, we're gonna stay involved in, in the broad cross-section that we're already involved in. As I mentioned, we're member driven. So the things that are most important to our members ultimately bubble up to the top and, and give us a, a, a reason to, to engage. Um, we'll continue to provide a number of, you know, uh, of virtual events. We'll do some educational forums. When we're able to, we'll start to get back in person and connecting people. We're focused on our procurement reform and we've got a, a set of recommendations that we've put forward to the, to the state on that. We're gonna continue to push there. Um, 
But but what I, what I would say, Manoj, is you know the thing that we're trying to do is we're trying not to just be an organization that talks about or reports on um, uh, the needs of, of the state or the needs of our members, but really get in there, roll up our sleeves, get our hands a little bit dirty, take take an initiative, you know, put a stake in the ground, and get something done uh, because that's really that that's that's the success it's not a really about talking about what we do it's we're going to look back you know i hope to look back many years from now and and be able to point to the things we accomplished not that we built a big organization but that we accomplished things with that big organization and so that, that what i'm looking to do for 2021 is really a, a breakout year for oita uh, our goal is to you know drive membership get more people involved more people in the discussion and really start to put a stake in the ground on some of these important issues you know, across the spectrum of technology to allow companies to grow and thrive here. You've taken up a huge <laughs> cause, Nick. That, that's a big challenge. I, and I think you know, OITA success is gonna rest in the membership getting engaged. I mean, you're, you've put together a great platform and, and you have the contacts in the year of the state. We need as uh, individual members to engage heavily and uh, and push on those topics and that's the only way I, I think a lot of people think you join an association and then the association sure. does all the work I don't believe that's the best way that people right. they and, need and, to and get that, involved that, that's not the, that's certainly not the model that I wanted to follow right I've been involved in a lot of organizations I've served on a lot of boards you know everything from a major university to small you know nonprofit boards uh, but but in starting one and thinking about what what this um, you know what this organization can and, and and should be it really was about being member driven it's not going to be Nick York who gets all that stuff done. It's going to be all of us collectively working together. If we can provide or I can provide uh, some, you know, the, the platform, as you said, and, and, the, and the connectivity, uh, great. That's the role that we can play. We're not looking to reinvent a wheel. We need member participation. We want your good ideas. We want your insights. And we want you to be successful in, in growing your organization, your business, whatever it is that you're involved in, whatever your passion you know, we're going to help facilitate that and get that done. That's how we'll be successful um, uh, as, as, as a collective and doing it together, not by a small group of, you know, staff members at, a, at an association. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll have a lot more folks joining us uh, this year. Now, Nick, I know we're coming up on the hour here, uh, and before we part ways, I wanted to, uh, of course, thank you for, for doing this. I think it's very important. But also, do you have any events uh, coming up or anything you'd like to plug uh, in, in terms of the new? Yeah, we're, we're in the planning future. process right now of a number of events. Uh, so we're working on a, a 5G event. Uh, we're working on uh, a tech talent event. Uh, we're working on a, a tech disruption, which is kind of a broad, you know, uh, innovation and, and technology, both in the public and private sector. Uh, we're looking at events around smart mobility um, and, and, and talking with, you know, various uh, both state and, 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 and uh, local governments and, and the private sector on, on smart mobility. So we, we don't have something uh, planned right now that, that I can give you the date on, but, but actually that's a good opportunity for your listeners. Uh, if you've got interest in, in the organization and in some of the events that I mentioned, you know, we're in the formative stages of those and, and we'll be rolling that out for the, you know, the second uh, part of the or the first quarter and, and then a number of events uh, on a 
monthly or even a bi-monthly basis uh, going forward. So if there's interest, uh, I would encourage all of your listeners to, to get involved with what we're doing, uh, share your ideas and, and help us craft what's important to, to you uh, and, 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 and find ways to, to, to work together here. Absolutely. Um, we will link up in the show notes uh, the website for OITA and on LinkedIn, and we'll link back to uh, you as well, Nick, your personal profile and put the emails in. Hopefully Rose <laughs> won't get too mad with <laughs> with getting... Uh, we'll get it done. We'll get, uh, all, we'll get this information out there, but we'll make sure that it's all in the show notes so that folks, uh, if you're, you're listening, you'll just be able to click on the link and... and get be able yep. to get to the OITA well Nick thank you so much for joining us this afternoon uh, we all greatly appreciate it and uh, thanks for yeah, taking knows, such it was my pleasure calls. and uh, and I look forward to, my my, uh, my doors open my phone rings and, and my emails available so for those out there who are interested when you get that information if you've got questions reach out let's work together I think we can accomplish great things if we can do it together thank you Absolutely. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk Take to you care. soon.